You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, you should check out the podcast. Like, wherever you get your po- favorite podcast, we'll I never miss an episode. Really, you go back and listen to it while you take your afternoon nap? No. Okay. I listen to it after I take my like afternoon you, nap. How am I going to listen if I'm napping? That doesn't make any no, sense. You, you just you just want my voice to put you to sleep because you miss it so much after our show? Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Goudreau back in Calgary for the first time since breaking your heart. Uh, Brian Hedger, Blue Jackets writer for the Columbus Dispatch at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're taking your best borderline radio-friendly Johnny Goudreau chirps. Uh, we'll do that at the 8 o'clock hour, your chance to win concert tickets. You want to get these in. It's going to be fun. Yeah. 8 o'clock is going to be a lot of fun. Do you, you want to be a little bit late for work, maybe? Yeah. Um, um, probably take some phone calls, Get too. your excuses ready. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but right now, uh, our favorite, um, Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports, joins us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Charles, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. It's great to hear your guys' voices. I love the bumper music. Yep. And Lizzie, right? Yes. Back in town. Yes. And I, my favorite lyric in there is when they talk about sometimes you just got to let the boys fight. It's true. You know? I mean, you know, just, just get out of the way and let them throw down. It's I mean, true. that's what they need to do. Um, and uh, I love that. And you guys did make one promise to me last time. Yes. It was what what you heard about um, the, the the finish, you know, coming from six one down, mm, that yeah. sort of deal. What was the best stuff you got? Yeah, the um, that was uh, the question we asked our listeners on Monday was after the Flames held on to that six five win in Dallas. Uh, the Fl- uh, Dallas got it to six five with four thirty seven to go. We said, uh, what was more stressful than that four thirty seven to go? Uh, in Dallas, uh, there was a lot of people talking about bathroom stuff, Charles, that was on the text line. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Trying to rush home, make yeah. it in time. Trying to rush everybody home. Trying to, make, everybody trying to get a home game in. No, yeah. one wants, no one wants to play on the road. That's right. Everybody wants to get a home game in. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to put it. There was a lot of that, Charles. And then there was a lot of stuff getting caught by your wife or your girlfriend doing something maybe you shouldn't be doing. There was a lot of that on the text line, too. Yeah, I, I heard I heard something like that once from a friend who, who had told me that <laughs> he said that his guy had gotten caught by his mother-in-law. Oh boy! Oof. And, and and you know that's mortifying in and of itself. But the mother-in-law, as she closed the door to leave, over her shoulder threw out. I had no idea that you were that aggressive doing it. Oh, and that's how she left. Oh, <laughs> oh. wow! Awesome. Well, <laughs> it just uh, it just reminds me of uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, Charles from Jack Nicholson. Uh, you only lie to two people in your life: your girlfriend and the police. <laughs> that's one of my favorite quotes too. Um, that's it. That, that coming from Jack. Makes yeah. Sense. It, it makes total sense. Okay, I got to ask you about Dak Prescott. Charles, when you were on last Monday, if we would have said to you the Cowboys' defense would hold the 49ers to 19 points, you would have said what? I would have said they're still going to be in a fight because of the 49ers' defense. Mm. You know? But but obviously your odds are up because if you're doing that, you, you should be in a pretty good place 
and a chance to win a ball game. But dealing with the 49ers, that didn't surprise me that it was just going to be a flat out, you know, we're going to, you know, just like the boys are back in town, the boys are going to fight. Mm-hmm. And with those two defenses going at each other, and we all know what the we all know what the story was going into the playoffs, and there was no getting around it. Dak knew it, the Cowboys knew it, the world knew it. They needed that, the Dak Prescott that they saw in Tampa on Monday night, the first round of the playoffs, to be the guy that plays all the way through. And unfortunately, they didn't get that. I mean, he had the two interceptions in this game. It probably could have been four. Don't you think? Yeah. And if Drake Greenlaw catches it and runs into the end zone, is we we don't even have a finish. It's, we're we're done. We're tapped out. They didn't get it, and so now the Cowboys go into the off season with that question still out there looming, which drives me crazy because I like him personally so much. Right. But if you're talking about ball, your quarterback getting to the next level, that's that's how the, the question is going to linger. The question is going to loom: Is Dak the guy? Yeah, and, and that's always what the most difficult thing is too, right? When you look around some of these other teams, Joe Burrow was fantastic yesterday in Buffalo. Oh. Patrick Mahomes on a wobbly ankle, still getting it done. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is yeah. blossoming into an elite quarterback, but you can't get outplayed by a guy making his seventh start in the NFL and lead the league in interceptions. You just can't do that. No. And and I know, Charles, they gave him all this guaranteed money, but should they tr- – Okay, I'm going to oversimplify it. Yep. Can the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Dak Prescott is their quarterback. I always thought the answer was yes, but I have to have better evidence that the answer can be yes mm. because we continue to go through this. You know, right. now if you really go through time and you go back through a lot of quarterbacks who've had disappointments, disappointments, disappointments. Dak isn't as talented as John Elway. John Elway, you, you guys remember when John Elway hit the scene. You talk about uber-talented, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, okay? But wasn't there a point in John Elway's career where I will guarantee we can go back and find articles written, especially out of the Denver area? I don't know that the Broncos can win a Super Bowl with John at quarterback. Right. I, I will guarantee we'll find them. Because you remember, they could get to big games, but they couldn't win the biggest game. Right? Mm-hmm. He would have the big drive against Cleveland. They'd get to the Super Bowl and get B55 to 17. <laughs> you know? It just, everybody's wondering, is it going to happen? That's why it was such a big deal that when he finally won it, and, and Pat Bowen, who owned the team at the time and, and is now in the Hall of Fame and since, since passed on, remember when he held up the trophy and what was the first thing he said? This one is for John. Right. We thought he couldn't do it. So I, I'm very, very careful about saying a guy can't do it, never can do it. I, I hate to put those tags on it. Sometimes the timing's just wrong. Sometimes it just it happens when you least expect it, blah, 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 blah. But, boy, that was a tough one for, for Dallas. I mean, that's where they're sitting there and their fans are, you know, they're going to cascade in and say he can't do it, he can't do this. But you mentioned it just a little while ago. That contract is a monster deal. Mm-hmm. You've got to continue to try and win it with him. And the flip side is, okay, we dumped Dak Prescott. <laughs> Who's our quarterback that gets us to this level? That, that's what you're always running into. You know, who, who, who becomes the guy that gets us to this level? It's easy to dump someone. It's not so easy to get, up, get someone who can play to that level. And can you figure out a way to take it a little bit farther around him? Because Brock Purdy, He's the only quarterback left in this thing where the team plays around him as much as they play through him. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone else, you're playing through that quarterback. You're playing through Mahomes. You're playing through Burrow. You're playing through um, Jalen Hurts. Purdy, you're not playing through him as much as, hey, Purdy, don't screw this up. And when you can hit some big plays, terrific. And he made some nice throws. I'm not taking credit away from him. But he's not the deciding factor for how they run their offense. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey is. Elijah Mitchell is. George Kittle is. Debo Samuel is. George Ayuk is. I mean, uh, Brandon Ayuk is. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Just don't mess the whole thing up. And that was the, that was his superpower yesterday. He never turned it over. Uh, Charles, one more thing on Dak Prescott, and we'll move on to the other um, matchups. Can Jerry and Stephen Jones do us all a favor as fans and media alike who love the NFL so much just to make the offseason absolutely on fire? What if they called the Packers about Aaron Rodgers? Oh, man. I, I like where your head is. I do. I like where you think. Doesn't that work? That, 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 you talk about fueling us? Yeah. That's that's better than Joe Namath already saying, hey, if Aaron Rodgers comes to New York, I'll unretire number 12. <laughs> because cause he's already said it. You know, he, he said, He's like, listen, if Aaron comes, he can wear 12. And everybody's like, wow, that's pretty good. But even Joe Namath doesn't hold a candle to if somehow there's a connection of or, or, or there's a thing that Dallas – has called Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers' availability. No, I mean, that, that would be monstrous right there. Charles, I, I one more on that game. I just got to ask you about the last play that the Cowboys yeah. ran because I was laughing. <laughs> I was laughing I no so hard. I have no answer. <laughs> I have none. And, and, and I'm dying to have one. And, and, and the reason I'm jumping your question is we're mind-melting here because everyone watched it. And everyone asked each other the same question. So exactly what was that? Here's my best explanation because I'd like to hear Mike McCarthy go to the podium and tell me. And this is how I do things with coaches all the time. Sometimes coaches aren't really willing to tell you a whole lot. Okay, understand. I don't want you. I don't want the state secrets. I don't need to know where the palace jewels are. But as I've explained to many of them, if you have a certain strategy you're trying to put out there, and I know what you're trying to do. I might be able to explain that a little bit better as opposed to me standing up there and going, I have no idea what the hell that was, which means it's going to rain harder on you. Okay, I'm not saying I'm your protector because I'm not. But if I have an idea of what you're trying to do, at least that part can be explained. Hey, coach is trying to do X, Y, and Z. It didn't work for A, B, and C reasons. This one we have no explanation so far, correct? I haven't heard Mike McCarthy. I didn't see anything after the game. I haven't seen anything so far that says we went to this formation because we thought we could do this, this, and this. Yeah, that just seemed like something that we all do at the Turkey Bowl, where we got it, where we got into the the, the spirits before we got into the turkey. Okay, <laughs> that that was just like I, I have no explanation for that. I can't. My guess is that they were trying to spread things out and then go to the you know the lateral, lateral, lateral type play. Mm-hmm. But it, it just it, everything like. Ezekiel Elliott is snapping the football and then getting run over. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, it's not like Zeke spends a yeah. lot of time snapping the ball, bringing his hands up and pass protecting. <laughs> this is not what he does. So all of that just seemed very, very strange. And I'll leave it at this. Remember when we were in school and we would sit in a class and, it, and, and there was always like physics or something where they would say, now look, I can prove 
that a dandelion stalk, if we tie an elephant's tail to the dandelion stalk, and if we do it at this, you know, this, you know, at this level and this many degrees, and then the hypotenuse is shortened, it can actually hold the elephant. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. That's what that play felt like. <laughs> Uh, that's I, I like the analogy very much. I uh, wanted to ask you as well about the Bengals. We've already talked about Joe Burrow a little bit and just an elite quarterback, but uh, only gets yeah. sacked once. Patchwork offensive line is able to keep him up, and, and he outduels Josh Allen in the snow. What would you make of the other Sunday game? Two things. One, I went into it and I picked Buffalo by one, and I spent the whole time kind of crawfishing on it a little bit. I try not to do that. I try and pick someone, stay on it the whole deal. The whole time I kept saying, I'm just not comfortable with this pick. But I am taking Buffalo by one at home, blah, 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 the whole deal. Um, but I, but I, I always countered it with, but that Don Burrow and the way he goes about things, he is a flat-out assassin, guys. Flat-out assassin. It wouldn't shock me at all to find out that Joe Burrow went and did a hit that morning, and then came to team meal, and then went and played a ball game. Okay? That's just how he is built. And I've used this analogy in games. So I'm not doing this just because you and I are spending time, and I'm lucky enough to be in Calgary right now. But I've always likened him to Wayne Gretzky in terms of their ability to see things multiple steps ahead of everyone else. Okay, you remember how Gretzky always went where the puck would end up, not where it was? Remember how his father, Walter, taught him that? Because of his size, you have to think ahead, you have to be quicker, you have to be smarter. That's the way Burrow plays the game. He sees your stuff in pre-snap, he knows where you're going to be post-snap, and he's going to go where he can beat you. And that's what he does. And he was phenomenal. The second thing is, and this is, this is, this is something that Buffalo cannot use, nor should they, and they wouldn't want to, but I'm going to say it. With everything that's happened since DeMar Hamlin, they've handled themselves incredibly well. They've done all the right things, but that emotion can overwhelm you. And they look to me like a team on Sunday that the emotion had taken it out of them. They didn't have any, they they were gassed out. This is not to take anything away from Cincinnati. Cincinnati deserved that win. Cincinnati, that was about as professional a game played as I've seen in a long time. Remember I called Burrow a hit man? That was a professional hit. Offense, defense, special teams, they handled their business. But Buffalo just seemed energy sapped in that game, emotionally sapped in that game. And I do think a lot of that has to do with everything that's going on since DeMar Hamlin. It's not an excuse. It's not... Anything wrong, Buffalo shouldn't change how they did a thing. You have to do that for, for people. But we've seen it with these types of things before where pick your, pick your sport, pick your team, where tragedy has happened, and they've tried to keep that guy's spirit alive throughout a season, during time, during this, during that. And it works to a point, and then you just gas out. Mm. And that's what Buffalo looked like to me on Sunday. If they played them again, with emotion in there, the whole deal, it's a much better game. I'm not saying they even beat Cincinnati, but Buffalo's good enough to do so. But I just thought that they were at an emotional dead on Sunday. And Cincinnati, 
they are really good. And don't be surprised if Cincinnati goes into Kansas City and wins as well. That, that, that's, that's how good Cincinnati's playing now. Burrow just totally took those offensive linemen issues off the table, and they allowed those offensive linemen to do what they can do best, which is run the football. Fire out, block people. Don't worry about twists and turns of who's picking up that person and that person. Just hit people. And their ability to run the football made that offensive line, made those, made those issues go away. Charles Davis, the NFL on CBS, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big Show, Russell and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, Charles, I'm not advocating for Sean McDermott to lose his job, but yeah. have they maxed out in Buffalo? The Eagles fired Andy Reid after four straight NFC title game appearances. Uh, Tony Dungy was fired in Tampa Bay, and then they brought in John Gruden, won the Super Bowl. Have, have they gone as far as they can go with Sean McDermott as head coach? I don't think so. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that situation. Andy, remember Andy? They went to all those NFC Championship games, and then they hit the skids. Remember, they had a losing record before he got fired. It wasn't they went to those and didn't get over. Tony, as you pointed out, Dungey, that was different. They were they were at a, what an NFC Championship game or whatever, and didn't mm-hmm. get there. And then they made their change. So it's a little bit different situation. But I don't think so with Sean. I think that this was a very unique circumstance. That again, as I said, you will not hear Buffalo talk about it. I'm talking about it. DeMar Hamlin is something we hope none of us ever see again. But it became Buffalo's burden to, to carry and, and trying to honor him and honor their season at the same time is a lot. And if you don't honor him, you look like the most heartless people going while you're prepping for a game. So it's very difficult for them. And I think they spent a lot of time on that, a lot of time with us coming to them to talk about it, DeMar showing up. I mean, it's just a lot that goes with it. Now, put it with the rest of the team. I wasn't real thrilled to see Stephon Diggs screaming at his quarterback at the end of the game. Mm. I can't quite figure that part out. But it started earlier. If you go back into the ball game and punch up the tape, do you remember early in the game, Josh Allen threw two passes in a row where the receiver had to go down low and get it and couldn't run after the catch? The second one was to Diggs. He comes up off the ground, and he motions, keep the ball up, keep the ball up, kind of shows up his quarterback. I was like, what are you doing? Tell him that in the huddle. Like, don't, don't do that to your quarterback. Because last time I checked, you're the most targeted receiver in the league. It's not like your quarterback doesn't know you're there. Mm-hmm. So I just think that you know, some of those things start to come out when the loss starts to happen. But I don't believe that they've maxed out on the McDermott. They're going to have to do some things roster-wise. They've got a good one, but they've got to make a couple of moves, and Brandon Bean is more than capable as a GM. I know this team loves playing for Sean McDermott. Josh Allen is going to come back and be better next year, I think. I thought down the stretch, he didn't take care of the ball quite as well as he needed to, but he's still tremendous. I don't think that they've maxed out. I really don't. Not under Sean McDermott. I think that that team still wants to play for him. Charles, got to ask you about Pat Mahomes and that injury. I feel like it's going to be the the big discussion around the Kansas City Chiefs all week long as uh, he was able to finish up that game, but injuries like that usually feel worse Monday and Sunday after you play. Uh, (laughs) Just a thought on Pat Mahomes and what we could see for uh, this uh, AFC Championship contest. Yeah, not a doctor, not going to play one on radio, but just guessing off of experience and what we've all seen before. He'll be in a boot. You know, all week long, except for when he's trying to get rehab treatment, whatever little bit of practice he may or may not do, right? He's going to be, it's going to be immobilized, trying to get it right. 
I think that he'll find a way to play on Sunday. But we saw even with the adrenaline pumping, hit your back foot, and that is his plant foot to throw the football. How many balls came out that he got to receivers, but did you notice they weren't getting there with their normal uh, pace? That's what you worry about. Can he drive the football off of that back foot that he's used to doing, making throws? He's got an unbelievable arm. We know that. But if everything he throws is strictly an arm throw, it's going to be a long day for Kansas City. That's not going to work for them. He's got to be able to do the other things. He's as tough as they come, and, and that's the one thing that he gained out of this that, that I think, you know, we've all talked about, God, Patrick Mahomes, he's magical, he's this, he's that, he's that. Now you better add toughness to it. He's one tough, tough young man, and he got it done. But that'll be interesting to see how he's able to maneuver around or through that injury because I'm pretty sure he's going to give it a heck of a go. And let's see if he's able to actually make it work. Is this injury going to give him enough where he can plant that back foot and make those sharp throws when he has to make them? And I'm not worried as much about his scrambling, but can he move enough in the pocket where he can make that step left, that step right, two steps left, two steps right, find the throwing lane and still deliver as he's been used to doing. That's what we'll find out come Sunday. And, boy, what a, what a tough deal for him because Cincinnati finds a way to really screw up everything Kansas City does and make the game more on Cincinnati's terms. And what people have to remember, Joe Burrow is 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. Yep. That's going to drive Mahomes crazy. He wants this badly, but he won't be 100%. And the worst half of football Patrick Mahomes has played as a pro was the second half of the AFC Championship game last year when they got off the gas and played not to lose instead of to win. And he's talked about this. Here's another opportunity. So all the motivation is on Kansas City's side, but the health is much more on Joe Burrow's side. And by the way, don't be surprised if Burrow gets his left tackle back this week and his right guard back this week. Yeah. They both were close to playing in this game. Uh, Charles, we got to run, but I have to ask you about the Philadelphia Eagles. How scary do they look because they're now even a healthy football team? And number two, um, even when the Minnesota Vikings don't play, they still lose because, man, their defense uh, was shredded by the yeah. Giants, and the Giants had absolutely yep. nothing against the Eagles on Saturday night. Yeah, the Eagles look really good. Their their thing is when you know when Hertz is, is operating pretty much near near top capacity, not everything's in play. And boy, they were clicking right from the beginning. And that offensive line and getting Lane Johnson back to go with Kelsey and the rest of that and, and Mylotta and the rest of the offensive line. They've got everything you're looking for. I think we got a phenomenal NFC championship game. The weird part is I picked San Francisco a month ago as the best team in the NFC. So I'm not going to change that now. I'm mm. going to be one of the few that's going to pick San Francisco to go into Philadelphia and win. Mm. But, boy, San Francisco, I mean, Philadelphia is so good. If you can't run the ball at all, the pass rush will, will, will swarm you. They'll get you. They cover well in the secondary. This has the makings of a great game. And let me just leave you with this. The Mahomes injury, guys, keep an eye on how people tackle now. Remember how we decided we're going to take the head out of the game, which was the right thing, right? We're not leading with our head. We're not doing that. We want more shoulders. Have you noticed, is it just me, or have you noticed much more of that um, almost steer wrestling type tackling? Guys are grabbing people and dragging them down. Happened to Tony Pollard yesterday, got his leg broke. Yeah. And that's how he fell on Mahomes, right? That's how Tony Pollard got hurt yesterday with Dallas. 
I think the unintended consequence of how we've changed tackling is we're dragging guys down more and wrestling them down more than we are putting shoulders and thumping them as we used to. And again, I'm not advocating we bring the head back into it. It's just the unintended consequence now is Mm -hmm. be careful of what you're seeing in the tackling because we're seeing more of these ankle injuries come up by good, clean tackles. But how they're doing it, it's almost a half horse collar. And that's that's hurting people's legs. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Charles, always terrific stuff. Looking forward to next Monday where we'll break down Championship Sunday. Thanks for this. Yeah, you guys are the best. Anytime you go with Tim Lizzie, I'm there. All right, well there, we'll, we'll play. We'll play another song uh, for you next week too. Maybe Radar. Did Appreciate Radar Love guys. was that? Then Lizzie, Radar Love. No, it's not. I believe it was. No, 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 it wasn't. No? My producer's yelling at me. He goes, "No, it was, idiot." <laughs> okay, well, 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 well. Don't worry, you're not the only idiot. Then I'll take yeah. the idiot part too. Yeah, uh, Thin Lizzie and trying to look up great. Well, Golden Earring was uh, Radar Love. Uh, we'll play you a Thin Lizzie song next week. Coming in. Thanks, Charles. Talk next week. You guys be good. The best. Charles Davis. The absolute best. I should have known. I did know Golden Earring saying Radar Love. Stupid. Twice I've been a complete idiot. More than usual on this show. I just felt like keeping my mouth shut was the optimal choice for me there. Because I don't think you knew anyway. I didn't know anything. Okay, yeah. I don't know anything about anything. Um, uh, Charles Davis on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret. Recipe since 1975. Yes, sir. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Johnny Hockey's back in Calgary. Cowtown. We'll, we'll talk to Brian Hedger, Blue Jackets writer, Columbus Dispatch next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Alex, what is this? Uh, Johnny can't read. <laughs> Okay. By I, I, Don Henley. Okay. Oh, oh like it's it. the Eagles. The Eagles. Don Love Henley. It. Yeah, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> Johnny can't read. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, because it's very Johnny-focused. At the top of the hour, your chance to win concert tickets. We're going to announce what concert it is. It's a pretty big deal. It's at the Saddle Dome. You don't have to go all the way to Edmonton or Commonwealth or any nonsense like that. It's in the city. And your best borderline radio-friendly Johnny Goudreau chirp. We'll win tickets. We'll also open up the phone lines. Again, like the rule is on this show, number one, name and location on the text line. Number two, if you call in, you're kind of more likely to win the tickets. Oh, yeah. Big time. So we'll take those phone calls at the top of the hour. Julian McKenzie, who covers the Flames for The Athletic at 830. But right now, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say good morning to Blue Jacks writer for the Columbus Dispatch, Brian Hedger. Brian, how are you? Uh, doing good, guys. Good to be with you on this. Uh, here comes Johnny nope. morning. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, can, can, how how much of the guys in the room have you gotten a sense being around the team that this is kind of? I know the old money on the board, blah blah blah, but it's going to be very emotional and it's going to be a charged atmosphere tonight at the Saddle Dome. How cognizant are the guys on the jackets about what this game means to the Flames fans, mostly? Yeah, they're they're very cognizant of it, um, and you know, like uh, you know, Johnny himself, obviously, you know, came out on Friday and basically said that uh, you know he he's coming back here to win. You know, I mean, he wants to see familiar faces and he misses people around here, you know, the rink and, and that type of thing. But 
you know, this is about winning uh, for him and, and the, his teammates get that as well. And, and, you know, when they were asked, you know, like, what can you guys do, you know, to help him out mostly in this thing? And it, it, the universal answer was, you know, play your butts off basically. And, you know, try and get him a win tonight. It's going to be an interesting game to watch. And, and I guess just maybe, Brian, a, a thought on the season as a whole for Johnny Gaudreau. The points were there early on. Uh, there was maybe a little bit of a lull. I know the team has dealt with a ton of injuries as well. Got called out by Brad Larson at one point in the season. How has the year been for Johnny Gaudreau? Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting season. I think overall, um, you know, if you were uh, in Blue Jackets management, I think you would look and say that, you know, he he's giving them he's giving them and has given them um you know largely what they signed up for uh, i don't think he's been a big disappointment or anything and i mean honestly he he got off to a really good start um you know and uh Boone Jenner goes down one of those injuries you talked about Boone Jenner was uh you know centering the top line uh with good uh, and line a and they're just kind of starting to form a little bit of chemistry and then Boone, you know, gets a fractured finger or thumb. He's out for, uh, as it turned out, three weeks. And in that three weeks, um, you know, like Johnny Gaudreau's plus minus, I mean, it basically just tanked. It went from around like even to like minus 15, you know, um, that's how important I think, you know, you could make the argument that Boone Jenner was defensively to that line. Um, you know, because then he, he got replaced with rookie uh, Kent Johnson. And, you know, uh, Kent Johnson is going to be a really good player in this league, but he's 20 years old and just going through this thing for the first time. So um, I think a lot some of his struggles, um, you know, recently, you know, could be tied to that a little bit. And he's been picking it up here a little bit lately. So um, I think overall it, it's been a good uh, it's been a good season for him when you consider all the injuries. Line has been out like three separate times. Um, Brian, how has Johnny Gaudreau been received in Columbus? Because obviously, I, I would say, I would hazard a guess, probably the biggest free agent signing in the history of the franchise, arguably. Like, how has he been received by the fans? Were they super excited? Are they still really excited that he's on the hockey team? How do people in Columbus view him? Yeah, you know, by by far, first of all, by far, he is the biggest uh, free agent signing in franchise history, and it's not even close. Um, and, I, and honestly, I think that's a, a, that, that's a huge reason that, that you know played the played a role in in him actually you know going to Columbus and signing there. In that, um, like when I look at this roster, um, I honestly don't know if they were at a stage of their reset, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, to where you add somebody like Johnny Gaudreau and expect to like you know just get this big boost to go to the playoffs. I mean, I know like they kind of couched it that way. Because what else are you going to do when you sign Johnny Gaudreau? I think you could make the argument that they were they were still a little too far off to get a guy like Gaudreau and expect to win right away. And I think that's part of what you're seeing this year, along with the injuries. But at the same time, when Johnny Gaudreau comes knocking on your door, or when it, when you've got some contact with his agent and he actually wants to be a Blue Jacket, you jump on that ten times out of ten. And because um, basically this is the this is the organization. Remember that everyone said. You know, Panarin left, and all these other guys left, and the and the narrative became nobody wants to play in Columbus, and they all want to leave, and it stinks there. And like, you know, as much as guys like Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson said, no, it's not the case, that became the narrative, and so now you you can kind of address that with Johnny Gaudreau, and and honestly, the fan base 
um, they were super receptive to that because they're like, look, see, this is exactly what we're talking about. People do want to come here. People mm-hmm. do, you know, big, big, this guy's a big time star and, and he picked Columbus. So um, he's been received really well. Uh, you know, it, it's a different market, right? Like in here in Calgary, if Johnny Gaudreau walked down the street, he'd probably be mobbed. Uh, hey, what's going on, Johnny? All you know, the questions, whatever. Columbus is not going to be that way. I mean, people know who he is, obviously, but uh, it's 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 a growing hockey market. Let's put it that way. Um, and it's a good hockey market, underrated, but it's growing. And he, he sold a lot of a lot of season tickets. Like as soon as that thing signed, I mean. They sold a lot of season tickets, and I think what like new season tickets, and what I think that you're seeing, you know, that game they just had against the Sharks on Saturday night. This is the dead last team in the NHL, uh, number 32, and they sold it out. And I think part of the reason for the they're drawing actually pretty well for a team that, that's struggling this badly. And uh, I think part of the reason is Johnny Gaudreau because I think he sold a lot of season tickets, and people are just like, we're going to the games, and and I think that people are are bought in on the rebuild with Johnny Gaudreau in tow going forward. Brian Hedger, Blue Jackets, writer for the Columbus Dispatch, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, Do the fans in Columbus realize that I think the shock and bitterness surrounding Johnny Gaudreau and him wanting to say that he wanted to come home, it was a lot harder to take here in Calgary, Brian, that he did go to Columbus instead of maybe New Jersey or Philadelphia, are the fans of that team aware of that? They are, but at the same time, um, I don't think he's necessarily blowing smoke with that one. Just because mm. um, you know we see his dad like around the rink a lot. I mean, he's there, and uh, and he was telling us that, you know recently that you know ever since they had uh, their child um, at, at the in the preseason. Um, you know, they've seen family. They basically have family and friends kind of coming in and out a lot. Um, it's it's not that hard of a drive. It's only like a seven-hour drive, and if you want to fly, it's I mean, it's a hop, skip, and a jump there uh, from like either Newark or, or Philly Airport. Um, so it is actually. I mean, the, the bottom line is it is closer than Calgary. It's a, it's a shorter flight, obviously, and it's a much shorter drive. Um, so, but I, I, fans do realize that you know. If, if put it this way, if there's any fan base in the league that understands the emotions that Calgary went through, it is the Blue Jackets fan base, a hundred percent. I mean, Artemi Panarin was not Johnny Gaudreau in that he wasn't in Columbus for nine years; he was there for two years. But in those two years, he set individual scoring records for the for the franchise that had been you know, long established by Rick Nash for a number of years. He, he's a friendly guy smiling all the time. I mean, fans loved that guy and they so badly wanted him to stay and said, Hey, you know, if you stay, maybe everyone else will stay and maybe we'll stay good and, and chase the cup or whatever. And he just he ended up leaving perfectly. You know, that that's fine as that his prerogative, but all the stuff they had to deal with afterwards, nobody likes Columbus. You know, it's a terrible mm-hmm. town, all, this, all that kind of stuff. Um, it comes up when stuff like this happens, and, and unfairly so, I might add. I mean, like, I love Calgary. This is one of my favorite stops on the NHL trip. And so um, I don't think it had anything to do really with Calgary other than, um, you know, the distance. Uh, that That's just, you know, what I believe in, in the situation. But uh, who knows? I mean, I, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't privy to, uh, you know, all the backroom you know, negotiations. Uh, wanted to ask you about a couple of other 
parts of this Blue Jackets team as well. The Johnny Gaudreau story is going to be the one that we follow big time. But wanted to ask you about another former Flamin, Eric Branson. Uh, liked him as a player, liked him as a person when he was here in Calgary. Although his role was different than the one he has in Columbus this year with some of the injuries that they're going through. Hasn't been an ideal year for Erica Branson, but what have been the returns and what has maybe been the fan base reaction to him after he signed a four by four in the off season? Well, that was the, that's what it did. That was what started it all. Right. As far as you go back to Jan, or July, not January, we were in January. You go back to July with the free agent period. And, you know, we talked, <laughs> we talked to Yarmo Kekalainen the day that both Branson and Goudreau signed with the Jackets because they had their dev camp, their development camp. Uh, going on that day and so we talked to him and you know it was all like we might not sign anybody you know we love who we got internally like all that that kind of stuff you know and then (laughs) but it signs both of them so when when they signed uh good branson uh you know it started you know news started to leak out there i think people initially uh fans especially were initially happy to have a really like a tough guy, like, you know, probably one of the most feared defensemen physically in the league when he, when he really goes off, you know, um, I mean, this guy will not, he's not going to um, bow down to anybody when it comes to physical confrontations and, thing, and things. And that was something this team sorely lacked last year. So I think when fans first saw, you know, good Branson, they're like, Oh, this is great. But then they saw the number, the four by four. And, you know, you know the era we're living in now with all the advanced metrics and all the other stuff that say, hey, you're a good player, you're a bad player, all that stuff. And I think that people started putting two and two together and saying, hey, this guy really, I mean, why are we paying $4 million for this? You know, that kind of thing for four years. Because, it, you know, and that was before they even knew they were going to get Goudreau. Um, so, you know, it's kind of been that way ever since. But, uh, you know, and he got off to a really rough start. Um which isn't surprising from a from a free agent who's going through a new team, but he got off to a really rough start. And then after all these injuries, hit tons of injuries, and he stayed healthy. He actually got an, an increased role in the lineup. So he, he went from playing like you know I know here he played third pairing uh, right side I believe, and uh, he started out there in Columbus. But the injuries moved him up to the second pairing, which gave him more ice time. And with the more ice time that he's gotten. His play has has picked up. I mean, he's he's not going to be you know he, he is what he is right now, right? Yeah. I mean, he's like a thirty year old veteran. He's a tough guy. He's big. He's great in the locker room. Um, I think the guys like him a lot, and he likes Columbus. So all that's really good. I think that once he gets back onto a third pairing, when they get their full lineup back, I think people are going to like him a lot better. Last one for me, Brian. Uh, we are about seven-ish weeks away from the trade deadline, and you mentioned it as we interaction today. The Blue Jackets are the 32nd place team in the NHL. Probably going to be sellers at the deadline. Who are some of the names you're looking at that might be on the move? I know the one that continues to be brought up out of Columbus is Vladislav Gavrikov, the defenseman, uh, 27 years old on an expiring deal. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's kind of some uh, – I mean, I know that on uh, the – uh, I think mean, Friedman just mentioned on Saturday night, uh, Hockey Night in Canada, that, uh, that you know the Jackets are uh, allowing teams to speak with Gavrikov and his agent Dan Milstein um, to kind of foster uh, possible trade uh, requests or, or trade packages. And uh, yesterday I was able to confirm that is the case. In, indeed, as you know, we, we know um, Elliot's reporting is flawless. Um, but anyway, yeah, you know, what are they doing though? Like, are they going to trade him? 
I mean, it looks, it sure looks like they're going to trade. In fact, I'm going to write something, about ready to write something today. It looks like, you know, for all the things that you look at, is a guy going to get traded or not? Sure looks like they're going to trade him. Um, but there's also that possibility out there. And I had a couple sources yesterday say, hey, look, how do we know that they're not trying to have other teams, you know, maybe set the market for Vladislav Gavrikov as far as his contract? And then, then they can decide whether they want to match that offer mm-hmm. and keep them or, or actually trade them, see what the trade package is. So that's something to kind of watch for, um, you know, as the deadline kind of nears. But he, his name, he's definitely at the top of the list. I would say that you'd have to also include um, Gustav Nyquist as well. Uh, he's a veteran. He's 34, 33, 34 years old. Um, he's doing what Nyquist does. He, he's one of the most consistent players in the NHL. He's going to give you 50 points. <laughs> you know, if he stays healthy, he's going to give you 45 to 60 points in that range somewhere every single season. And uh, he's doing that, and he's added penalty killing uh, to his uh, responsibilities as well. He's doing really well there. So I think those are the top two names. But, you know, at this deadline, I mean, when you're dead last in the league, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross too many names off the list, to be honest with you. Brian Hedger uh, covers the Blue Jackets for the Columbus Dispatch. Brian, thanks for this. Enjoy the hostilities tonight down at the Dome. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I was going to I'll let's get going. I know you probably got to get to a break, but I was just thinking about it. And I like, you know, when you're in a season like this one for the Blue Jackets, there aren't many times when oh, you're yeah. going to have the kind of juiced atmosphere that they're oh, gonna, yeah. that's going to be at the Dome tonight, right? Oh, so, yeah. like, I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to covering it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. No, it should be a lot of fun. Thanks for this. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. Uh, There's Brian Hedger on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Lots of juice tonight. Uh, We're going to get to the Johnny Goudreau chirps straight ahead. But want to do something here before the break, Uh, Maddie. Our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues and for limited time, better odds on over-under and point spread. Build your ticket at sportselect.com. Uh, you had another spectacular week on our big bets. You went 3-1. and one. You're 51-37 and 37 for the season, which is like Hall of Fame numbers. You're like the Ted Williams. You're like Ted Williams of like picks. Uh, Patrick um, is even Steven. Probably uh, he's uh, juiced out. Two and two, 44 and 44. Mm. And I and I got the help of intern Noah. How'd and, that uh, go? Maybe I shouldn't have. Oof. I went 0 and 4. Woof. 37 <laughs> and 41. Woof. Let's go. Let's go. Well, we still have championship Sunday in the Super Bowl for your picks. I won everything. I won the league. Well, you didn't. Well, Patrick can still sort of catch you. No, 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 no. No, no. I think There's three games left. Yeah, but we can make like if four we're or adding five props. Things. If we're adding props to it, I still have an outside. Chance. Yeah, we got to do that. Okay, sir. You can change the rules so he has a chance. Yeah, sure. But I ain't hitting. I'm that. still playing the song. He ain't gonna right. blow this. If he does, we're replaying this. Yeah. Um, there we go. Well, that just abruptly ended. Um, <laughs> that was me. Just, just hard stop. Oh, yeah. Screeching I had halt to that. Uh, your Johnny Goudreau barely radio-friendly chirps straight ahead for your chance to win some concert tickets, which we'll announce straight ahead. Julian McKenzie from The Athletic at 832. 
on the Calgary Flames. It's all straight ahead. Final hour. Before we hand things over to Big Show XL, Big Show Plus, Big Show Hour 4. Bigger show. Bigger show uh, with Patrick and Alex. It is the Big Show. Sports at 960. Russick and Rose, the fan.